The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Raising the Bar with your host, Amy Bredo. Do you ever listen to that inner voice? The one that tells you that you can achieve great things just by giving yourself a little push? Making that voice heard is what this show is all about. What if you could turn your negatives into positives? You'll hear from others who have embraced that personal drive and will help you raise the bar. Now, here is Amy Bredo. And good morning. Welcome to Raising the Bar. I'm your host, Amy Bredo, and today I have two guests, Beth and Rick Olson. It's a husband-wife team today, and they are here to share uh, their incredible journey of healing and hope with you all. Unfortunately, uh, in 1999, the Olsons experienced the worst thing that I think can really ever happen to a parent is the loss of their two children, Jessica and Joshua. And we're going to dive into that story, but also really discuss their journey out and the ways that they found hope, healing, and joy in their life after such a huge loss. So I welcome you both to the show today, Beth and Rick. And um, I would just love to hear a little bit, well, share a little bit with our listeners about, you know, what life looked like a little bit before this accident. Um, Beth, would you like to go ahead and start? I would. And first of all, thank you for having us on the show, Amy. But um, Rick and I have been together for 28 years, and we were married in uh, 1987, and we were blessed right away to have two children, Jessica and Joshua. They were wonderful kids. We were a wonderful family. We were really the have perfect family, a boy and a girl, a dog, a white picket fence. We literally had a white picket fence. We decided um, to move to another location and to improve our financial situation. Rick was offered a better job. Um, He was taking over an insurance agency, and so we decided to uproot the family and move over to the Wanakee area in Wisconsin and um, make a better life for our family. So we moved there. We were there about a month, just adjusting. We bought a new puppy for the kids. We were really enjoying it. Having a, It was a great summer, running to the pool as often as we could. So I, really a very typical family. And, um, and then all hell, they broke loose. So do you want me to tell what happened that afternoon and... Yeah, you can go ahead and Rick too. I didn't want to sell you short, so welcome as well. You know, Thank you. I th- I think that I don't know if I really believe in irony. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Don't, and we talked about that too. But you know, interesting that you were in the insurance business with with everything that um, ended up taking place. But you know, this is so. This is a great thing for your family. It was typical American suburban family, very involved with the kids. Rick working very hard, and and I know that um, 
I, I, you know, I did forget to mention that Beth and Rick wrote an amazing book and it's called We Never Left You. And, and we're going to dive more into that. But I'll tell you um, in reading the book, you know, you were away for the weekend on a girl's weekend, going to the American Girl store, getting, you know, a jumpstart on birthday and Christmas shopping. And so, yeah, kind of maybe just set the scene for for that day. For that day. Well, and that's exactly what happened. That weekend, I was away from the kids. Rick was home just watching the children. And I was having a great time shopping with friends at this American Girl sale. Jessica loved American Girl dolls. So with her birthday coming and Christmas coming, I went with a check and I was ready to spend some money because I finally had some money to spend. <laughs> and <laughs> we were with, you know, two good friends and bought some items and when I got home the friends helped me bring all the things into the uh, into the house and in fact Jessica hid behind a door so she wouldn't you know <laughs> the different items I was bringing in and Joshua he was right there helping me he was it was oh, he was so happy even the items weren't for him he was just so happy for his sister and as we brought them in I started putting the items on the bed and making piles, you know, birthday, Christmas. Oh, my mother right. bought this for Jessica. So you make different piles. And um, I got to this basket. It was a little wicker basket, cage, almost like a cage-looking basket. And there was a chicken in it. And I had bought it for my niece. And I decided all of a sudden, I asked Josh, I said, do you think Jessica would like this? I, I said, this goes with her doll, Josefina. I really think Jessica might like this chicken in the basket. And Josh said, yes, I think she would. So the chicken in the basket went in Jessica's pile. And lo and behold, Rick comes in and he says, let's all go to the mall. We just bought the kids a puppy after the move so that they could really have, we thought with meeting new friends, having a new puppy at the park would be just a child magnet for them. So we have this new puppy, very active, so we needed to fence in the yard. So we jump in our car and the minivan, we were heading to the mall, and we got to the intersection. And as we got to the intersection, we heard sirens. It was, we were at a red light, heard sirens. Rick was the driver, and he decided to wait. He was like, I really need to see where these sirens are going. Where is this police officer? So as he sees the police officer, he is the police officer is turning away from us. He felt that it was safe to proceed, to go through the intersection. And as he went into the intersection, all of a sudden I heard this huge loud bang, and we spun, spun you know, at 180 degrees, and I had no idea what happened. In fact, then I, once we stopped spinning, I said, turned around and said to my children, what was that loud noise? And that's when I saw that the back of the van was gone, and but my children were in the back, but they were dead. Oh. Joshua was dead, but Jessica was still somewhat of alive, but she was hanging out the window. And Rick was next to me, but... And he was alive, I could tell, because he was moaning. You know, he wasn't going, I mean, he wasn't talking to me, but he was moaning. So I knew he was okay. That's right. when I jumped out of the car to try to get some help for the kids. So I right away started asking for help. And I said, I need a doctor. And within five seconds, someone placed their hand on my left shoulder and said, I am a doctor and so is my wife. And we were in the intersection and we saw what happened. What can we do for you? And I asked them to get Jessica out of the van. And they proceeded to help take care of Jessica and try to save her for us. 
And that is when I walked around the intersection just begging to wake up. I thought it was a nightmare. I thought, how the hell is this happening? You know, I've always been such a Christian, Catholic, good girl. I'm like, what in the hell just is happening? I really thought it was a nightmare. I know you had mentioned that, um, and I want to be, I just want to draw our listeners' attention to pay attention to chicken in the basket. And, and the thing I also love, and I think this is important in the journey that, you know, we're going to begin to share too, is that you, you got what you asked for in that moment. You said, I need a doctor and you got to, and, uh, I, I just think that's so significant to, to everything that you two are about and everything that you share now. Now, Rick, you're in the car and you're coming to, um, I know you had mentioned there was a police officer there with you telling you not to move or, or turn around. Um, you know, in all the commotion, I know that Beth is saying she felt like it was a dream and everything. But, you know, what were your first thoughts? Did you, did you realize what had happened? Were you confused? Um, I didn't at first really realize what had happened. Um, you know, I, I started to try and move and... The person behind me said, you know, you've been in an accident, don't move, we don't know how bad you're hurt. Um, he said, I was an off-duty police officer walking in this area, and I saw the accident. So he wasn't even on duty, he was just there when it happened. Um, so I had a sense that something else wasn't right, and I asked, well, where's my wife? And he said, well, I can see her, she's walking around. And then I said, well... I said, what about my kids? I said, I, and he said, well, they're working on Jessica over on the side. And I said, well, Josh is gone, isn't he? And he said, yes, he is. So you knew. Somehow I knew, somehow I knew he was gone. I was basically stuck in the car and couldn't really see anything while they worked on Jessica. And Beth kept coming back and trying to give me updates. And then eventually... Beth and Jessica left uh, in an ambulance to the hospital, and then they started to work to get me out of the car. Okay. So I know that, um, you know, you both get to the hospital, and um, the result of this accident that we need to share, too, is that you guys were hit by a drunk driver. In the middle of a, an afternoon, on a, you know, a Sunday afternoon, in the middle of summer, you know, I think a lot of people think – or assume, you know, drunk drivers are out at night or, you know, in the middle of the night or, or whatnot. So this is not, you know, a common occurrence, especially in the in the town that you were in. And now, um, you know, they've brought you to the hospital. You know, f- folks, too, for you out there, you, you need to read this book. It's – Beth, I know you said to me, Aim, the first few chapters are a little rough and, and – they are. Uh, it, it was a, a difficult, heartfelt read, but it, it made me feel a sense of um, closeness with you guys as a parent and, and as a friend. And I am grateful for you sharing this story because I really believe, like we have discussed, it's part of your purpose mm-hmm. to help people heal 
through their grief and heal from their grief, uh, not that they ever forget it from the loss of a child or the loss of their children. So I don't know how much more you want to go through about the hospital. I don't, I don't want to s- stop um, what you feel you need to say, but I, th- I thought it was an interesting perspective where you know the driver that hit your vehicle didn't even know what the heck he did. Uh, t- to me, it just that made me angry. So you know, moving forward, what was the time that lapsed, you know, before you realized that both the children were gone? You know, yeah. between getting to the hospital and, and them working on Jessica and, you know, was that it, agonizing hours? No, it wasn't long. And I knew that. Um, I knew when I could hear what they were talking about on the curb with Jessica that um, her brain matter was they mentioned something about that, and I I knew right away that was bad. But I, you know, I'm begging God and praying to God that I would get a miracle to save one of my children. I knew Joshua was not able to be saved. Uh, so it was probably less than, by the time we got to the hospital and Rick was in the hospital, I would have to say maybe a half hour. It wasn't oh, long. And okay. they then the doctor came out and asked me if they could let Jessica go. And I said, well, I can't make that decision. I need to go ask my husband. That's something we have to do together. And so that is when I went to find him. And that's when he was like, if you want to tell that part, that was, Rick was, I had enough of it. Well, you want to talk they, about that, Rick? Yeah, the the irony of the whole situation is the man, you know, the, the drunk driver, um, he was, you know, it was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. He was going 80 miles an hour, and he hit our vehicle. He was airborne when he hit it. <sighs> and then they ended up putting him in the cubicle next to me in the emergency room. So I'm laying there basically strapped down with IVs and a neck brace, and he's next to me screaming, I didn't do anything wrong. Why are you doing this to me? Let me go. So then Beth came up and you know, talked to me about Jessica, and I just basically had enough. So I got up and took the brace off, and we went to say goodbye to Jessica. You know, we have um, just a, a few moments before before the break. You know, I have four kids of my own, and I and I I can't imagine that. You know, when I read your story and I hear your words and I and I know what happened it it, it puts me in that place of, of disbelief and, and agony um, but I I am gonna switch my mode a little bit here to the excitement of what you're going to share next only because you know it, it, it's a real raw topic to, to discuss and I again I thank you so much for sharing it so in those moments you're saying goodbye to your daughter and you guys go home for the evening, and I know you had mentioned in your book that you had a house full of people, which I feel like was probably the best thing that could have happened, even though it had to have made you insane. You know, it, it's 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 one of those things because um, loneliness in grief is huge and lasting. So I I think the fact that you had a house full of people and I did you mention that they even began answering the phone for you and and kind of, you know, I'm I'm sure you kind of go into zombie mode when that kind of shock and trauma hits you, but um something interesting happens over these next few days that I would love to share when we get back from the break and um you know, I think it's important for 
our listeners too to know that just because you know Beth and Rick, you guys have had this path of healing. You know, maybe it, it isn't everybody's scope of thinking, but the thing I love about it is that I see um, in book. I saw a lot of the energy change in just the way you were speaking. You know mm-hmm. what I was what I was realizing was going on around you and in you, and I see God's hand in it as well. And again, my beliefs may be different from a lot of the listeners' beliefs, and, and that's okay too. But I'm I'm so excited to, you know, share your stories uh, and your um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, when you know your children are there and you know that they're showing themselves to you to bring you peace, to bring you comfort. I think that's hugely important for other grieving parents to hear. And it it gives you that sense of hope and it gives you that sense of peace and that deep breath of like, okay, you're here. And I love that because, you know, your book being called, we never left you. It just, it screams hope. So I, I'm excited for you guys to share that and bring a smile to our listeners faces. Is there anything just in this next, maybe 45 seconds or so that you would like to share with the listeners before we just take a quick break and then kind of dive into your next few days. Well, it is a, a book. We are so proud of it that we are learning from everybody or hearing from everybody that it is a book of hope and of mm-hmm. inspiration. Our journey was difficult and it is difficult, but it's not all awful. It is right now amazing. I'm 16 years after the death of my children, but I am so happy. I We are so blessed, and we are so loved. So there is a lot of inspiration yet to come. I love that. And, you know, who for all of those that are you listen, are listening, you can go to weneverleftyou.com and uh, search that out. Get the book for yourself because you're going to want to read about this journey. Uh, you'll never know who you're going to meet that might need Beth and Rick. So we're going to take a quick break. You are listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo, and we will be back with Beth and Rick Olson in just a moment. When you see someone, are you seeing the person or the perception? We see labels such as fat, thin, black, white, rich, poor, but we don't always see the true identity. Listen for New Dimensions with Reverend Nicholas Barrett. On this program, we'll embrace the breaking down of societal paradigms, our norms, and acceptance of our false selves. You can find your identity the way that God intended. Forget all the labels that you think you see. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Have you considered expanding your family through adoption but don't know where to start? Are you looking to get some answers and direction on how and where to start? Reach out to the community at the Echo Foundation. The Echo Foundation offers five distinct areas of support. For those children in need throughout the world, we are here to support you and guide you through your process and beyond. For more information, please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation. That's amybrado.com and click the Echo Foundation. There are over 147 million orphans and at-risk children in the world. It's a global problem, but you can make a huge difference. You can help from home or on the ground serving opportunities. Please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation tab to request more information. 
Our vision is to build a self-sustaining ecosystem of ideas, individuals, and organizations equipped to carry out the mission of hope for every orphan in the world. Help us with our goal of helping every child in need. Visit amybrado.com. You're listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions about the show. The email address is amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. That's amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And we're back. I'm Amy Bredo. I always wanted to say that. I always wanted to pretend I was a DJ. <laughs> Anyhow, we are back with Beth and Rick Olson. We are talking about their experience and their amazing book that shares a message of hope and joy. It's called We Never Left You. Um, if you're just joining us, Beth and Rick unfortunately experienced the loss of both their children in a horrible car accident in 1999 uh, caused by a drunk driver. And we are just going to start talking about the first few days after their children had passed and um, what they went through and some of the messages of hope that were delivered to them right in those beginning days. So, you know, Beth, uh, in reading your book, again, I, I thank you for allowing me to read it, you know, before I was able to speak with you. One thing I, I, could I think relate to is when you guys would be together and you're alone and nobody's in the house with you and it's quiet and you know you just saying I I can't get out of bed I can't get up I can't get up I just have to thank you in those moments of of really tough reading how you shared your humor like but I have to pee (laughs) and then and then Rick saying well you better get up because then you're gonna pee in the bed and I just was like oh thank you I I needed that so I I I love um those glimmers of humor amidst you know the dark time of in the story but then the messages of hope which I, I cannot wait to hear you share so you're in the first few days after the the children had passed over and you know let's talk about Jim or maybe the people you met that you knew came into contact with your kids and I know to some people that might sound crazy and guess what I don't really care we can say what we want because it's true and it's real that I feel our loved ones you know make their presence known so I would love for you to just you know share the story about uh, Josh goofing with Jim and um, your chicken in the basket perfect Rick, do you want to share with Jim what he said to us? And sure. Yeah, I mean, um, go ahead. We were obviously in shock and just kind of going through the motions, but one of the things we had to do was to meet with um, the funeral director uh, at his place and work on the funeral arrangements. We had met with him earlier in the week. Uh, the accident happened on Sunday. The funeral was going to be on Thursday. And we met with him on Wednesday, I believe. And when we walk into the funeral parlor, it's in the middle of the day, and there's really nobody there. Um, And they went to get Jim, and he comes up to us, and he's smiling and laughing. And I'm like, how can you smile and laugh? It just it was very foreign to me. And he said, that Josh, he said, all he's doing is turning on and off my lights and changing my radio station. Can you tell him to knock it off? <laughs> and both of wow. us just kind of stood there and looked at him, and we were stunned. He's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "He keeps changing my radio station." And it suddenly hit us that 
here was a man that had never met our children, and he was having a relationship with our son who had passed, and it began to give us a glimmer of hope that it's possible our kids aren't gone, they're just in a different form. Right. And that was kind of the beginning of our journey to understand. And so that was Wednesday, and then Thursday morning I had arranged, I have a friend who is a medium, her name is Kathy, and I arranged with her to meet with her on Thursday morning before the funeral. And she invited us in. We we sat in her room where she does her readings, and we talked for a good hour and talked about life and really was very sweet and, and a little inspirational. But finally, as we were about ready to leave, we stood up, and she sat back down, and she said, Jessica's here. And so we both sat down, and she said, yes, Jessica's here. Josh is not here. She said, Josh is at Great America. <laughs> no. <laughs> That would be his favorite spot. That's exactly where he would go. She said, there's no lines in the spirit world. You know, and I'm from the Midwest, so I know exactly where Great America is. I've been there a million times, so I just got such a kick out of that. It is. It's a roller coaster ride and after ride, and it's very fun. So we sat back down, and we were listening to what Kathy was saying, or what Jessica was saying through Kathy. And at one point, Kathy looks at us, and she said, did Jessica like fried chicken? And I said, uh, no, I've, I actually have never made fried chicken. And she said, Jessica wants the chicken in the basket. Ugh. And she says, yes, that's exactly what she's saying. She wants the chicken in the basket. So you have to understand, this is now Thursday, and my mind has been scrambled and I'm in shock. And, and so we started thinking, is it the chicken in the basket crackers they make by whatever Nabisco right. or something. I'm like, I never buy those. So all of a sudden, I remembered the conversation I had with Joshua. Would Jessica like this chicken in the basket? And Joshua knew she would, and she was now letting us know she wanted the chicken in the basket. It couldn't be more clear that my children are alive. It was, I mean, we cried. All three of us we were just bawling that that was the proof that we knew that our children are alive. Josh didn't even need to be there because he, in the spirit world, had told Jessica about the uh, question, and she answered it. So we were thrilled. I mean, you have to understand, it's such devastation to know that your children aren't dead in the ground, that they are actually just continuing in a different in a different world, in the spirit world, whatever you want to call it, was just um, what we needed. We needed to get through that day. So as we were leaving, we got in the car, and she said, please, well, she said, there's one more gift in the car for you. So we got in the car, closed the door, and turned the radio on, and that is when we heard the Tarzan song playing. The Tarzan song was one of our favorite movies. We had just seen it, and the song is Two Worlds, One Family. And we just cried. We held each other, and we cried. And we had I feel like we had the strength to get through the rest of that day. So we were able then to go to the funeral, and we were able to share it with our family. And we could see a little bit of glimmer of hope. Because you have to understand, it was when they walked in, there is one coffin. We had our two children together. They were, arm, you know, Jessica had her arm around Josh. They Aww. were just... 
Oh, maybe not around. I'm sorry. They were, they were just next to each other. And it was just heartbreaking. Here is this beautiful family. Where is God? Where is where are they supposed to take care of us in this world? Where are they to allow this to happen? And as we shared our story with our family, I mean, they some there was a little smile. I mean, it wasn't like full blown laughter, but it was a little right. reprieve from this sadness. So we were very, very happy to share that, and we stood in line. We started greeting hundreds and hundreds of people. And as Rick and I, we stood in the line, we could see our story being shared because you could see other people smiling slightly or scratching their head. And I said to Rick, we stopped, we stopped greeting people. And I'm like, Rick, they're sharing our story. I actually was mad. I was like, what? Our story is being blown away here. It's like, and then I stopped and I looked at Rick and I'm like, I said, we're idiots. This story isn't just for us. I said, this is for everybody. The chicken in the basket story is for everybody. And that's, that's when, right then and there, where we knew, I knew, I'm like, we're going to write a book someday. Did I know 15 years later? No, but <sighs> yeah. it was you know, so powerful. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I apologize. No, that's fine. I just wanted to say it was just so powerful at that time. You know, it is so powerful, and I'm sorry it got me a little bit, so I'll probably be sniffling, and that sounds awesome on the radio, but... It does. It brings, um, you know, goosebumps. It makes your hair stand up on end. And it is, it is, it's that glimmer of hope. And I would be right there with you. I like to, you know, I feel like I have a really strong faith. And when hard stuff happens, sometimes I'm like, huh, you know, when things have happened around me or, or, or to me or in my family or to other people, I would be really angry at God. And I know you talked about that in your book. And you know, I love God. I know I don't know his plan, but I would have a really hard time with that being a plan. Um, and I'm just speaking for how I think, and you don't have to, to agree. And, that, and when, you, when I first learned about the chicken in the basket story, I thought, ah, okay, we're on this journey, and we don't know why this happened for the two of you. But that was, you know, I think God right there up next to Jess and Josh, like, hey, guys. Let them know, you know, you're okay. And, and and maybe that's my thinking and that's okay, you know, whatever. But to me, that was like that, just like that little whisper, like Beth and Rick, I know this sucks, but I've got you like, here they are, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. So go ahead and continue, please. I know there's, um, I, I would love Rick for you to even talk about like the different levels of, of counseling. So obviously you're going to seek out grief counseling. And I'm sure people, you know, it's that question of, you know, how are you? And, and I know that is the dumbest thing to ask. I have a, um, my son, one of my son's best friends passed away last year, a 19 year old, beautiful girl who had a bright future. However, learning from you guys also, I, I want to say, you know, um, you know, I don't know. I don't need to get into that, but it was, it's, it was hard. She's an only child to her mom. And, I reach out and I don't even want to ask that question. And I'll even say, like, I know this is stupid. How are you? <laughs> you know, because you just want to, to love these people that are hurting so badly. And there's nothing I can do or say, you know. Um, so as people are asking you that and you're seeking out help, was, was talking to somebody like a counselor something you did right away? Or did you guys kind of, you know, try to work through the steps of grief by yourself at first? Well, we knew that 
to us, it felt like the best thing to do and what made the most sense was to just get away for a little while. Right. Because one of the things that Beth was having a really hard time with is she's like, you know, look at everybody. They're going to work. They're, they're moving on. You know, their life is the same. Ours is destroyed. I have, you know, we have no idea what we're going to do. I said, well, let's just get away for a while. Let's just stop the world um, and, you know, see what we can do. So we ended up spending, Jim, the funeral director, offered us his place in Colorado, and we ended up spending a month out there and had a few amazing experiences out there. But then when we came back, that's when we started to um, try and find counselors. Um, Because of the childhood that I had, I was, and because of some of the things I was thinking about with the accident and and how events had lined up, I was beginning to suspect that, you know, this really happened for a reason. Um, This accident was meant to happen, and I was starting to come to grips with that fact but Beth being the mother and didn't want to hear it. Right. So we were really trying to find counselors for Beth. And, you know, we went to one counselor and, and the counselor said, well, I haven't suffered any loss, but it's really helped people if they scream into a pillow. And we're like, well, check that one off the list. Let's go find another one. So we went <laughs> to four or five different counselors. And unfortunately what happened is every time we went to the counselor for the first meeting, we had to retell our story again. So the first half an hour or 45 minutes of the hour session was always retelling the accident, retelling what we're doing and where we're at. Right. And none of them were really working until um, my sister was seeing a counselor and we ended up, uh, she suggested we go talk to her. So we did. And the only thing we really got out of that was she started us on a connection with another individual um, that kind of changed our lives. Um she uh, suggested that, you know, there's a, a a seminar that you folks might want to go to. It was a weekend seminar. And, uh, you know, there's some energy work that this man is doing, and I'm beginning to work with that a little bit, and I think, you know, you might benefit from it. And uh, so we ended up going out to Utah for a weekend uh, for some energy work, energy healing seminar. You know, and did I interrupt you? Oh, I'm sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. It was hard yeah, to hear ahead. you. No, no. You know, we have we have a few oh. moments um, before the next break. We have about two and a half minutes, and and it's interesting there because whether you are a Christian, you you know have you're Jewish, you have every you know kind of different faith. Energy is very real, uh, and I think that this is hugely important for our listeners, no matter what their faith or belief is, because we all hold energy, whether it's positive or negative or a little mixture of both, or sometimes we can actually feel stuck without even knowing that our energy is stuck. So, you know, when we come back, I think really diving into, um, I'm going to give it away. They went to Peru, but you don't know why. So, you know, giving away, uh, you know, some tidbits of your weekend seminar and what led you to that trip and that journey. And maybe the uh, pretty special thing about Colorado that we didn't really talk about, that's going to probably need to come up at some point. Um, you know, I, I, I would love you to share, you know, how your family has changed and, and the steps that you took in that. So um, just wanted to really drag the focus back to the work you said that you did with the energy that was about you in the situation. And Beth, your ability to see beauty again. I know that was something that you had mentioned a few times in your book about being surrounded by this beautiful place, being in Colorado, but it 
not being able to be absorbed. So okay. when we come when we come back, I would love for you guys to both just share your experience, um, maybe briefly about your weekend, but then really through your journey and kind of where you are at now leading up to this book. So everybody, you are listening to Raising the Bar. We are talking to Beth and Rick Olson. We are discussing their fantastic book, We Never Left You. You can get more information um, at weneverleftyou.com, or you can also find the We Never Left You page on Facebook. So we will be back in just a moment. Are you ready for a health, life, and empowerment show in one? Then be sure to listen every week for Living Well with Ann Beal. Ann takes her long-running TV show to the Internet Talk Radio airwaves with guest experts and insight designed to help you live a healthy and successful life. By hearing from the experts and those who have found success, our goal is that you too will be motivated to do the same. Living Well with Ann Beal can be heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. There are over 147 million orphans and at-risk children in the world. It's a global problem, but you can make a huge difference. You can help from home or on the ground serving opportunities. Please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation tab to request more information. Our vision is to build a self-sustaining ecosystem of ideas, individuals, and organizations equipped to carry out the mission of hope for every orphan in the world. Help us with our goal of helping every child in need. Visit amybrado.com. Have you considered expanding your family through adoption, but don't know where to start? Are you looking to get some answers and direction on how and where to start? Reach out to the community at the Echo Foundation. The Echo Foundation offers five distinct areas of support. For those children in need throughout the world, we are here to support you and guide you through your process and beyond. For more information, please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation. That's amybrado.com and click the Echo Foundation. You're listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions about the show. The email address is amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. That's amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back. I'm Amy Bredo, and you're listening to Raising the Bar. And again, we are speaking with uh, Beth and Rick Olson today. And we're talking about, you know, a joyful and fulfilling life after the loss of your children. And if you're just joining us, welcome. And we are talking about Beth and Rick's book and journey. Uh, The book is called We Never Left You. And we were just diving in, Rick, to uh, your research and experience in energy work. So I would love for you to just pick up where we left off. You had um, met Alberto. So if you want to introduce him and continue, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, Sure. We... uh Alberto Violdo is a uh, person who has been um, researching and, and practicing uh, shamanism with, uh, from the Inca basis for almost 30 years. And we, it was suggested that we go to one of his weekend seminars. And we did that, and he ended up using Beth as a um, demonstration subject in 
one of the um, healing techniques that he was showing people. And at the end of the uh, weekend, he said he wanted to talk to uh, Beth and I um, alone. So after everybody left, we sat down and chatted with him, and he said, I want you to know that I've met your children, um, Jess and Josh. He said, they look different to me. He said, they were very tall, very strong spirits. They're very strong. They're very old. Um, they wanted me to let you know that this accident was supposed to happen. And this was supposed to put you guys on a path for something new for the rest of your life. Um, he mentioned, he said that, uh, he said, Rick, you've been a shaman before. And they said, you need to learn how to be a shaman again. And one of the things he also mentioned was, he said, you were unconscious um, when you were in the car, Rick, weren't you? And I agreed with him, but I hadn't told him that. The kids had told him that. So again, wow. it's another sign that, you know, we're getting all this input from the other side. So he was leading an expedition to Peru over the turn of the century and uh, asked us to go with. And because of everything else that was going on in their life, we just knew we had to be away. We couldn't really be around joyful celebrations for the turn of the century when we were still falling apart, but we agreed to go with. And we ended up journeying to Peru with Alberto and about 20 other people and spent almost two weeks down there and over the turn of the century. And for those that remember, Y2K was a big deal, but down there it wasn't hardly anything at all. Right. <laughs> no worries and, about the computers exploding. Right. And we had some wonderful experiences down there, amazing experiences, working at a lot of different sacred sites. And that was also the first place that Beth got to see beauty again. You that know, was one of my... Go ahead. That was one of my homework assignments after our trip to uh, that weekend seminar, was to find beauty. And I was like, I am never going to find beauty again in this, you know, horrible hell that I'm in. And it just happened. We were down there. We were looking at sites. We were... Uh, surrounded, I want to point out too, we were with people that embraced the spirit world. You have, you know, it, to think that your kids are spirit and they're in another world, and all of a sudden there's, there's other people that are acknowledging that. It was wonderful to go down there and be embraced with them and be part of that group and learn from them. So that when we were down there and we were on um, Galapagos Island, and we were looking at all these beautiful sea lions, and I just, it came out of my mouth before I even worked, knew I was going to say it. I'm like, that is so beautiful. So the healing just happened. I wasn't anything I prepared for or planned, and um, it was something that I knew I was like, okay, I can do this. Yeah, I, I love that moment that you share, too, because I feel like you know, as I was reading your book, and I just, I just can't wait for all our listeners to read it because, again, it is such a beautiful story of hope. And, um, you know, I, I could feel as a mother that like stuckness, stuckness is not, oh, it's my own word today. <laughs> you know, That's but I could feel, <laughs> I could feel that um, in in me as I as I was reading what you were going through. And when you said that, I did, I was like, I was able to exhale in that moment with you. And I think that when you're able to do that as a reader, you know, then you just know that your message is, is being um, clearly expressed, clearly expressed. So it was, it was beautifully written. So you went to Peru, you were there for two weeks. I know a lot of really 
interesting, um, and I'm going to say crazy weird only because it is crazy weird to to read about the cool things that you guys experienced because it isn't a day-to-day thing and it doesn't happen to everybody. So it shows me how God has placed so many gifts in each of you. And um, I'm excited for, for people to read about mm-hmm. your experience of healing and your realization that you can help people heal, you know, and, and I think that is that is such an amazing gift. So please share with us, you know, you go on this trip to Peru, you come home, what happens? Well, we, I think um, we came home and I, we didn't tell the, the listeners that I was in Peru and I was five months pregnant. So, oh. um, <laughs> I think we should go back. I think we left that out a little bit. But um, in Colorado, right before we headed to Colorado, we were, uh, of course, I'm a woman, so I had my cycle. And I asked after the cycle, I asked Rick, should look at the birth control pills? And I'm like, should I take these? We learned there's no control in this world. Right. And he's, he said, we need to. We need to heal. And I said, I am fucking never going to heal from this wreck. Right. And so I took the I took my birth control pills for a week. And one morning we both woke up and we said we had a dream. We both had a dream. We both had the same dream to have that chemical out of need to get that chemical out of your body. So I threw the pills away and we headed to Colorado and we were intimate in Colorado. Probably one time, but I got pregnant. So <laughs> it's all it takes. <laughs> I ch- all it takes. And um, so my children died on July 18th, and by the end of August, I was driving to Walmart to get a home pregnancy test, and I came back positive. So, uh, and the beauty of that is Gabriel Joshua was born on Mother's Day weekend. He was awesome. born Saturday morning, and so Sunday morning on Mother's Day. And now I'm going to cry. Uh, yeah. He was in my arms, and I was, you know, accepting visitors. So here we took, you know, um, all our friends, a lot of friends coming to see us. And by July, we were having him baptized. So the same people, a lot of the same people who had came to the funeral just about an, a year, it wasn't quite a year, were now coming to my son's baptism. So that was amazing. And then since then, we have also have had Benjamin James, and we've had Grace Jessica. So our kids, our ages, our Gabriel is 15, Benjamin is 14, and Grace is 11. So we've been very blessed to be able to have a house full of laughter again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm doing a laugh, smiling, cry thing right now. So forgive me. Um, boy, you throw a couple of emotional women on here with you, Rick. You're kind of on your own, aren't you? But, <laughs> but uh, you know, I that was huge for me. Again, it's like not about Amy, but I found myself feeling like that angst as your journey was going on. And when I found out you were pregnant, my first reaction was like, holy crap. Like I, you know, it was like, I wanted to be happy, but then I, the first, the first place I went was like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Oh my gosh, that's so stressful. Oh my gosh, the stress of grief on a pregnancy. Like, and, and look at how, you know, I, I loved reading about your kids at the end of this book and, you know, their different gifts and their quirks and their personalities and like how, again, your kids are, you know, Gabriel was protected, I think from, any kind of negativity that that type of stress could bring during a pregnancy. I, I believe that just by seeing 
how his spirit is when you convey it in, in the book. So sorry, just had to throw that in. <laughs> That's super yeah. important. But but I just that was what I thought. Like, okay, you're Wonder Woman because you've endured this horrific loss and now you've got this growth inside you and you have the kids and you're not alone on you're you're definitely still a mom on Mother's Day, Rick's still a dad on Father's Day and it carries you through. So there you go. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> but well, I think so, it saved me because I did contemplate suicide. I mean, yeah. it, is, it was really hell. And I begged God many times to let me die, and he didn't give me that request. And so when I thought about taking my own life, I thought, you know what? Then I would be no better than the gentleman who killed my kids. So Gabriel kept me here grounded, as difficult, as hard as it was, because I could have used a little couple glasses of wine to get through some of yeah. the matches, but... Oh, I gosh, you couldn't to... do that either, gosh. No, I couldn't. So it really has been quite... That's, that was such a blessing. That yeah, so he truly saved for. your life. He, he Definitely. Really, he really did. Yeah. So... Not to fast forward, obviously, there are so many stages of, of joy through through the trying times and the grief and the healing. But Rick, so life insurance was not serving you. And, you know, what was it that pivotal moment that made you really diving, dive into, I use dive in a lot, sorry, you know, really um, entrench yourself in this, in this learning to develop your gifts and um, start that path of healing for yourself and others? Um, one of the things we started to do after we came back from Peru was to join some of these classes that Alberto was holding about learning how to be a healer. They were basically uh, seven, eight days long, and there was over a period of two years, there was four of them. Uh, we ended up going out to California in February um, to attend one of the first classes. And... You know, we were learning how to heal others, but at the same time learning how to heal ourselves. And one of the evenings that Beth and I were kind of practicing some of the techniques because we were a little bit behind, um, I had a, an event happen where I was trying to sense energy on somebody and I began to feel a sudden rush of energy coming into me and then... The next thing I realized, Alberto's telling me, you have to get up, you have to move, you have to get that out of your body. And I couldn't really move, couldn't really talk, and after a few minutes I began to get up and stumble around. And basically what happened is I was struck by uh, lightning. I was struck by spiritual lightning that day and then two days later. And that's one of the traditional callings on how to be a shaman is to get struck by lightning. And that began to set me on this path. So I thought, well... My kids died. I got struck by lightning. That's two out of the three things to be a traditional calling in to be a shaman, so I better listen. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of set us on the path. You know, we have about four minutes, so I want to make sure we touch on everything. You know, and through this, I hope, I, you know, I'm sure you stumbled upon the friends or the family that thought you guys were out of your mind. I mean, that there's no way that that's people right. didn't think that was bananas. But... You know, it is what it is, and it doesn't really matter what other people think. And, and that's why another reason I wanted you guys to come on the show today, because I think it's good to share what worked for you so that you can share that with others. So in the next few moments, you know, now you are learning to heal yourselves and heal others. We know that, Rick, you 
you know, you've got two out of your three prerequisites, you know, to continue doing what you're doing, you know, how are you helping people now? I would love for you to share about the family you met that lost their daughter in September just briefly and um, kind of what your next steps are to, to offer to people to help them heal, you know, during and after they read your book. Well, what we've come to realize over the last 15 years is that we were put in this position to be able to help people. And, you know, our book is having a tremendous impact on helping people with any type of loss. Um, but what it's also doing is putting us in contact with people personally that have had losses. And there's a family in the area that lost a four-year-old daughter about four months ago, and they were given three copies of our book uh, at the funeral. And, you know, they said that this was the book they had to read. This was the only book that they needed to read. And they read it, and um, they only live about 10 minutes away from us, so they reached out to us. And we have been, we're thankful to them because it allows us to have face-to-face contact with somebody and to see the effect that the book has. And that the understanding that we've come to over those last few years is that people need to make a perceptual shift on how they view death. People view death as it's final and, you know, your loved one is gone. But if you begin to make that shift of the idea that death is not really final, it's just your kids or your loved one or your whoever you've lost is now in a different form. They're in an energetic form. Um, they're no longer lost. You just need to have to learn how to listen to their communications and look for those whispers that they send you and those signs that they send you. And if you begin to understand that they're still there, they're reaching out to help you, they're reaching out to contact you, you begin to understand that this is just the next phase of everybody's life, and you are going to see them again. And it begins to bring people hope that there's more, you can move on, you will see them again. So death is no longer such a final solution. You know, I that couldn't have... Um that couldn't have wrapped up or, you know, you finish your statement in a, in a perfect moment. I wanted to remind everybody, please hop on Facebook and jump on the We Never Left You page. You can find it. Uh, and also, WeNeverLeftYou.com to get more information on how you can get your own copy of Beth and Rick's book. And is your contact information also on there so that if people are experiencing this type of loss as you have or know somebody that they can reach out to you? Hopefully, yeah. that's... Yeah, hopefully that's the case. And, you know, also, I, people can also email me, too. I wanted our listeners to know you can email amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. I also have uh, Beth and Rick's information. So you are, are not without a lifeline, everybody. And, you know, I know you also have a bereavement group that you just began. It was last evening, I think, if I have it correctly. So I want people yeah. to know that it's just not... I mean, the reading the reading the book is just the first step into learning to heal. And you know, whether um, our children pass and we believe you know they're in heaven or they're in the spirit world, either way, they're spirits, and um, they're they're there to you know, like you said, give us the whispers of of hope because they're not forgotten. Their their purpose was fulfilled on this earth no matter how hard that is for us to accept or believe. And I just wanted to thank you again. You both have been such a gift to me to just 
to be getting to know you and all of the conversations that we have. I look forward to a great future um, in our friendship and just sharing you <laughs> with everybody that I come into contact with that I know that might need to to speak with you or, or learn what you know or what you have to offer. You know, so you have been listening to Raising the Bar with Beth and Rick Olson. And again, please check out weneverleftyou.com. You can also find their page on Facebook. And just thank you both so much for sharing your message of hope and, and that you can really live joyfully after such trauma. And I just, I thank you both so very much. Well, we thank you too. Thank you, Amy. This is, thank you for reaching out to us and, Absolutely. and letting us spread our word of hope out there. Absolutely. Until next time, everybody, you're listening to Raising the Bar, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to Raising the Bar. Please listen for another edition with your host, Amy Bredo, next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, get out there and keep raising the bar. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.